What you're listening to there is the soundtrack of Vladimir Putin's Russia, a jaunty and jingoistic anthem of the Russia Youth Army. These are young patriots aged 6 to 18 who undertake military maneuvers, parades and patriotic history classes and then document it all on social media. It's a realm of pro-war hashtags, of ugly propaganda videos, of online trolls who attack opposition activists and anyone suspected of betraying the motherland. Ian Garner, a historian of Russian culture, has been interviewing young Russians shaped by the invasion of Ukraine and is the author of a new book, Z Generation, Into the Heart of Russia's Fascist Youth. Ian, welcome to the programme. Thank you for having me. We heard there the Russian Youth Army, but it's worth saying what they actually look like. Red berets, red shirts. It's pretty chilling stuff. It is. Well, they do have this really distinctive appearance with this clean-cut uniform. It really, to me, calls to mind the youth movements of the 20th century, the Soviet pioneers, even, and this is an awkward comparison, I understand, even the Hitler Youth. We see this sort of cleanliness, harmonious, regimented appearance taking kids in from anywhere in Russia, bringing them into the army and turning them into little uniformed soldiers. And we are talking about kids as young as six. And what we're seeing here is a mass mobilisation. I mean, the, the Russian state is aiming, I believe, to have more than three million children uh, as part of this movement. This is the plan. And we're still, relatively speaking, in the early days of this movement. It was founded in 2016. But we've seen that the growth has really been explosive over the last few years, thanks to the state's very clever social media advertising and influencer campaigns, and also the sheer amount of money it's putting into this organization. It's putting in something like $80 million, that's US dollars, a year right now. As of today, the membership stands at about 1.3 million, and that has expanded 300,000 over the last year alone. So while we're seeing millennials fleeing Russia en masse, we're seeing young people drawn into this army. And clearly the state has big plans for the next few years. Ian, you've spoke about the Z generation. In Russia, the letter Z means more than just a description of, of when you were born. It's almost become like the swastika, right? Well, the state's whispered this stim symbol out of nothing and given it meaning. And they did it extremely quickly at the start of the war when the plans that we've all heard about now to take Kiev in three days fell apart pretty quickly. The state realized this was a war that was going to go on for a while. It would need to motivate people. There is no traditional meaning to this letter or this symbol in Russian culture. There's nothing about it. But the state used the vast and expansive propaganda network it has to create this symbol as a kind of unifying point to express support for the war effort. Now, this has all become very timely uh, because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, but you started researching this book before that. I, I wonder what got you on the path to try and understand how young Russians were perceiving their nation and the ongoing conflict uh, in Ukraine. Well, my background as a researcher is in understanding Russian identity and the ways that Russians have interacted with war propaganda in the past, in particular the ways that they, they take the slogans, the narratives, the stories of the state, and begin to identify with them personally. And it really struck me that in the West, we've made the assumption 
that young people everywhere, especially in the era of the internet when there is so much information available, are inevitably marching towards becoming liberal Democrats, that they'll somehow find what we see as the truth, understand that truth, and reject the authoritarian narratives of a state like Russia. But we're seeing in Russia that is not exclusively true. There are a great many young Russians, clearly who oppose the regime and are devastated by what's happening in Ukraine and are even acting against the state quite actively. And yet, at the same time, there is a very serious youth movement that is being born, not just out of force put there by the state, but out of voluntary enthusiasm for the state's ideas that supports Russian imperialism and Russian expansionism. And where does this enthusiasm come from? What's its source? So the state acts on every level it can. There is an element, of course, of pressure in this. There are the new laws that target people who speak out against the state, who target people who speak out against the war and the army, and they've been used incredibly arbitrarily. There is no rhyme or reason about exactly who is accused of overstepping the boundaries or who is actually punished for saying something that is considered to have overstepped the boundaries. But in addition to the stick, the state uses the carrot and it creates or has created a whole social media world full of sponsored influencers, young people, young celebrities, sports people, musicians who make joining youth movements like the youth army look fun. And they use exactly the same sort of TikTok dances and social media memes, videos, peppy music, a little like we heard in the beginning. To make joining a youth movement that involves militarism and expansionism, imperialism, into something that just all the cool kids in school may be doing. And of course, as I say, they're in the early days of doing this. There is no guarantee that they will manage to transform an entire generation into fascist soldiers. But the seeds are certainly there. Your book is full of these wonderful vignettes and these vivid pen portraits of, of some of these young people. Um, introduce us to some of them. I, I was struck, for instance, by uh, a young 14-year-old called Maria. So I found Maria on TikTok. And TikTok is the big growing social media network among young Russians. Maria is 14. She lives in a provincial Russian town. And she chose to join the youth army. I reached out to her dad and interviewed him about exactly how she got involved with the movement. And he's a pretty ordinary, older millennial kind of Russian dad, tries to keep his head down, try and, tries not to get involved with the politics of the state, doesn't really care, was a little surprised when Maria came to him and said, look, dad, can I join this group? He said yes. She downloaded an app. You can join up online using the app. It's that easy. I did it myself using a fake name, fake identity. And the first thing that she did a day or two after joining the army and receiving her uniform was to go on TikTok and post a video showing how much she was pleased to be a part of the youth army. And since then, she's been regularly posting videos that mix a very ordinary kind of somewhat melodramatic teen diary about boys and breakups, places that she's been in her school life, arguments with her mum, all the normal stuff. 
alongside posts about her life in the youth army. These two worlds of sort of social media culture, Western consumerism, all the hashtags of hashtag self-realization, hashtag dreams come true, mixing with this world of militarism to a point that it becomes very ordinary to join what is a very extraordinary organization. Now, obviously, this generation is a lot more social media savvy uh, than their parents and their grandparents. But I wonder in what other ways this, this younger generation compares to the older generations in Russia who lived through World War II, who lived through uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, who lived through the Cold War. Um, how do they differ? What we have to understand is that a lot of the media coverage we've seen about young Russians over the last few months has really been about millennials, has really been about people maybe the over the age of 23, 24, 25. Those who remember a time before 2012 when Putin returned to the presidency and for a number of reasons, was spooked by the idea that democracy was coming to Russia and the young people might seek to overthrow him, and instituted this much more draconian approach to dissent and an ideological indoctrination program in schools, put money towards youth groups like the ones we've been talking about. Millennials remember that Russia in the 90s and the 2000s was a place where, generally speaking, you could have any sort of identity you wanted. And of course, it was not easy if you were, for example, a young queer Russian. But the state didn't seek to destroy you, didn't blame you for all the ills of the world, didn't seek to drive you out of the country or to jail you. But when we look at Russians who are a little younger than those millennials, those are Russians who don't remember those liberal and pluralistic dreams. They've grown up in a much more frightening kind of an era where the state has been seeking to actively transform the way they engage with the world. For as long as somebody like Maria, the young youth's army soldier we just described, remembers, Russia has been at war. Ian, I've always thought of Vladimir Putin as a human Y2K bug. He came to power on December the 31st, 1999. That was the time when all of us were fretting about the world's computer networks coming crashing down. And instead... The threat to the world's operating system came in human form, and it was Vladimir Putin. Um, Now, I suppose the optimistic take is that when he's gone, and it's worth remembering he's still only 70 years old, that there's a a more liberal generation uh, that will come to the fore. To read your book is uh, to be disabused of that, that notion. We know from the research that actually when dictators die or dictators are deposed, Usually, what we have is a period of total chaos, and there is very little guarantee that a liberal generation will inevitably come to the fore. The obvious comparison is Germany in 1945, when it was thanks to the occupation of Germany and thanks to interference from outside forces that Germany did not collapse in some spectacular kind of civil war, that young Germans were disabused of their notions about the Nazi party and Hitler. Now, of course, there are green shoots in Russia. There are still young Russians who are desperately seeking to oppose Putin. But at the very least, we can say that there is going to be a large section of the population, maybe a majority, maybe not, we just don't know right now, who will have adopted Putin's language of war, of revanchism, of imperial aggression, who will blame the West 
for the suffering of Russia during this war today? Who will blame traitors within the country for the suffering of Russia? And the fear I have is less that there are no no anti-Putin young Russians, and more that this the longer this goes on, the harder and harder it will be for the opposition to find ways to gather around a particular message, the harder it will be for those who oppose Putin to find ways to define Russianness in ways that move beyond the kind of ultra-nationalism that the state is promoting. Ian Garner, thank you very much. Thank you. Up next, Australia's opioid addiction. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.